0: Just recently, I, uh, someone wished me a happy Easter. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sort of always taken off guard. And I, I just, you know, I just said, well, thank you. And uh, I, I don't know if, you know, when people, I think they're doing that out of just kindness, you know. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Easter. And I don't even know or think that it's necessary to... Maybe go into a long explanation. Well, I don't keep that, and I keep the feast of unleavened bread, and let me. I don't know if they're looking for that or not, if they really want any answers like that. They're just, it's a happy greeting that people give you, and I just said, well, thank you. You know, when someone says happy Easter, what do you think of? Well, um, you know, you might, or or Merry Christmas. You know, immediately you're going to think, you know, if someone wishes me a Merry Christmas, I I think, I might think of Santa Claus, I might think of reindeer, I might think of gift swapping, I might think of a Christmas tree i would pro- I would think of the birth of Jesus, you know, and they it's sort of like you know those associations are are like we hang those on, cer- on pegs, and we can connect that. I mean we know if someone says "Happy Easter," I go through a list of okay, Easter bunny, Easter eggs. I used to. I'm still fascinated with Easter eggs. That When you dye those things and the color, that, ro- that purple, you know, not that I'm sitting at home fixing Easter eggs. I mean, don't, don't, don't take that the wrong way, but I think they're beautiful, you know, uh, uh, and, and somewhat good to eat every now and then, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and you, you would think, okay, Christ, because of our association with these pegs that we hang certain information on, we would think of the risen Savior, you know Jesus, uh, Easter rose from the dead, and uh, because all of these things are very familiar in our society, you know, if I say the sky is blue, the peg that makes that information accessible is that everybody knows what the sky is. In other words, you you've hung everybody you've hung on this peg, the sky. You know, you, everybody knows what that is. Now, if you didn't know what the sky was it would be very difficult to access that information, to connect that information if you were totally ignorant of what the sky was. Not that anybody is. Uh, But anyway, so when someone says, okay, Happy Easter or Merry Christmas, it sort of always bothered me because I've always thought, what could I have said that would make a bit of difference? You know, I mean, that's that's what I struggle with. Uh, Because, you know, the Bible does say, be ready always to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. I once did a seminar on the art of asking questions, and what I said was that we don't always have to be on the defensive. We always feel we have to defend our faith, and instead of that, just ask you know questions and put them on the defensive. But it would have been silly for me to say, "Well, what's Easter?" If, if you know, Happy Easter. What's Easter? You know, because I know, but I have all the connecting pegs, the associations that I've. I know exactly what Easter is. So I would not have been honest if I would to ask. That would have been a stupid question to ask. But I still struggle with when people say these things. You know, like, okay, what could I have done that would have made any difference? Now, I want to tell you something. There is a way that we process information. And it has to do with these pegs like this illustration where we we hang certain things on these pegs that where we're able to make the association. I mean, process. in order for people to access information, they have to have the pegs that they've hung things on, you know, and they can make that connection with what you're talking about. So if I tell someone, I keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread, well, the association, the connection is lacking. You get a blank stare. Like, <laughs> feast of what? Eleven. I don't. What? What? You know. There's just a blank. If I tell someone I keep the feast of trumpets, they would probably associate with me blowing a trumpet or so. But but they would not think of the return of Jesus Christ. The trump shall sound. The dead. End. They wouldn't think of any of that. If I say I keep the feast of tabernacles, again, blank stares because they have nothing to associate with that with. To they cannot access that information. What you're trying to share with them. There's something lacking there because they can't connect it up with anything. I tell, okay, I'm keeping it to the last great day. Blank stares, you know. Their minds do not have the ability to access that information. The pegs that make information accessible is simply not there. It's sort of like, and how I many of you remember these? these are, this is a floppy disk, you know, old computer. I, I saved some, I don't know why. But, uh, you know, if I gave you this file and I said, you now have access, Greg, you now have access to this information, you know, we all understand what that means. Religious pe- many religious people have never been given access to these files. You know, here, here's the file all about the holy days or whatever. Take this home, plug it in, plug it into your head, and then you'll have access to this information. They've never been given that. Now, whose fault is that? I know it's easy for us to take the blame for it. Well, it's my fault. But, but I'm going to touch on whose fault that is, that no one has ever come along and said, here's the file on uh, God's Sabbath, God's annual holy days. Plug that into your head. You know, I'm asking, okay, whose fault is it? So if I say I keep the day of Pentecost, often people are not thinking what I'm thinking. I'm thinking first fruits. I'm thinking receiving the Spirit of God. Uh, I'm thinking God is calling now a first fruit, a harvest, of small, a small harvest. That's what I think of. But because of the associations and the pegs, a lot of people would say, ah, a charismatic, jump, you know, you're jumping church pews, you're, you no." that's what they, they would connect that up. You know, if I'm keeping Pentecost. If I say I keep the law of God, because of the associations and the pegs, a lot of people immediately will say, well, the law's been nailed to the cross, it's been fulfilled, it's been done away with. That's, that's the connection they might make, the association. Someone has, has programmed them to think that way. Plug this file into your computer and think like this. If I say I keep the seven-day Sabbath, again, the association, a lot of people would say, Jew, and get this, a lot of people would say, seven-day Adventist. Think about that. A lot of people make that connection. How, how did we get to that point where people immediately would say, ah, you must be a seven-day Adventist. I'll talk more about that in just a second. Um, if I say I keep the Holy Days, <laughs> blank stares. <laughs> nothing connected. No, no pe- nothing has been hung on those pegs. Okay. Now, what I'm talking about, it really has to, has to do with the importance of evangelism. In Romans 10 and verse 14, it will say, how shall they believe in him and whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher you know I mentioned about this, keeping the Sabbath that a lot of people would say well you must you're, you're a seven-day adventist the seventh-day Adventists have done a, a a great job at creating the pegs to hang that on think about the enormity of the work they have done to create an environment where where if you say you keep the Sabbath Immediately okay Jew 7 day at they have done an incredible someone's been working their rear ends off in that environment where you can access that information someone's done a good work in that area i want you to think about something else when it comes to evangelism a lot of people would say well you know god god you know god hasn't called them and you know god has to call them you know they and it's almost like we just well you know it's almost like an excuse we use. Well, God has to call them. And well, I know God has to call, but but still, if there are no pegs, if there's no way to access this information, if there's nowhere to hang that information on in their minds, that you've just revealed nothing to connect it to, connect it up to that you've just revealed to them, it's like okay, you're telling me the sky is blue, but I don't know what a sky is. You're telling me. Uh, I, you keep the feast of unleavened bread but I have nothing to connect that to if there are no pegs no way to access this information how many people can God call it's just a thought it's just a thought of the importance of the work of outreach, evangelism if there, there is no accessi- you know, the accessibility to process this information how many God, people can God call so again, the importance of evangelism in the work of the church. Again, Romans two uh, ten and verse 14. How shall they believe in him and whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher? In order to believe the holy days, you have to hear about the holy days. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty true statement there. You have to, somebody's somebody's got to be preaching this stuff in order to access that information. Uh, whose fault is it that religious people have no access to these files. No, no pegs to, to, to hang that on, nothing to... Pl- now, think about this. Preachers are not going to speak about instructions that they do not follow. That's just a simple rule. You're not going there, all right? There are whole segments of the Bible that is off-limits to a lot of preachers. majority of preachers, okay? First five books of the Bible, off limits. Uh, and God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Can't go there, off limits. Uh, these are the feasts of Jehovah. These are the feasts of the Lord, off limits. Uh, if a man dig a pit, cover it up, put a railing around it or something to keep people safe, keep the guy from falling in there. Really, you know, can't go there. Uh, I remember a long time ago, I was riding a motorbike Motorcycle through the woods, zipping through the woods. I was a teenager, foolish young man, Uh, fast as I could go through the woods. And and someone on that trail, about wide enough for a vehicle, had taken a backhoe and dug one track out about six foot deep, just a hole. And there's leaves on the ground. You know, it sort of looks, what's that? And I lock it down. If I had gone into that pit, it would have probably broken my neck. Of course, there were no cell phones, no one that couldn't call mama, couldn't call call no one. But that was just the chance you took back then. So the person who dug the pit didn't want people riding on his property. Was he a Christian? Probably so. Did he go to church every, probably so. Did he know the Old Testament said, if a man digs a pit, cover it up so that you can keep people safe, do unto others as you would have men do to you. Don't be creating booby traps out in the middle of the woods. I doubt he ever heard that. I doubt he was ever taught any of those principles in the Old Testament. Health laws, food laws can't go there. Not going there. You know, and you think, okay, wouldn't church be a good place to learn about health? I mean, it should be. I mean, after all, your body is a temple of God. Shouldn't church be a great place to learn about health? i tell you something. I think when we meet Christ... Christ is going to say, you know, the cure for cancer was in that book that you're holding. It's called the dietary laws. Now, I'm not saying that if you start keeping the dietary laws today that you're going to be this great specimen of health. That's not my point. My point is we've had 6,000 years of people thumbing their nose up at God saying, I'm not going to keep the dietary laws. I think it's a de- degeneration process. With each generation that we pass on to our children, our ability, our immune system is weakened, weakened, weakened and weaken until we come to... You know, there's cancer cells in all of our bodies. But what makes it so... I think we've gotten to a point... Well, here's the point I think we're at right now. Worldwide cancer rates are set to jump more than 75% by the year 2030. More than 75% by the year 2030. 22.2 million new cancer cases will be diagnosed in 2030 compared with... 12.7 million in 2008. Now, just think about that. 22 million new cancer cases. The rate is set to jump by 75% in the year 2030. Now, it would be nice, you know, okay, I go to church, and I would like to know how maybe to avoid this. Uh, What could I do about it? Now, again, I know, like I said, I think it's generational what, but, but still, we've got to start somewhere. But wh- why, why is it that, you, you know, again, imagine being told by Jesus the cure was in the Bible. It has to do with you are what you eat, you know. Why is that file not punched into people's heads in church? Diet is important. Your health is important. But it's, they can't go there, all right? What they can do is proof text and negate all of God's instructions. They can go here. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. For the law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Uh, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or a new moon or the Sabbath day, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Uh, again, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, but by the works, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, the end of the commandments is charity out of a pure heart, uh, in the which he says, A new covenant. He has made the first old. Now that which is decayeth and wax old is ready to vanish away. They have to desperately cling to this. You can't deviate but so far away from this, okay? Uh, Again, preachers are not going to speak about instructions that they do not follow. It's almost as if what's the least I can get by with when it comes to preaching the word of God? What is the least I can get by with? And that's why you don't hear certain things. Certain areas are off limits, totally. Now, in Amos 8 and verse 11, if you would turn there, Amos 8 and verse 11, I think this is a description is, of what's going on today. Amos 8 and verse 11. It says, And behold, behold, the day comes, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing... The words of the Lord. Think about this. How, how do you create a famine of hearing the word of the Lord? Well, one, you don't preach it. That's, that's the best way to do that. You just don't go there. The law instructions are off limits. First five books of the Bible, maybe. You create the associated pegs that when people hear the word law, they think of all the proof texting scriptures that I just went through. You create that environment in their mind so that when people say, oh, law of God. Oh, yeah, that abolished, fulfilled, nailed to the cross, done away with. You create those associations in people's mind. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay, I understand. The end end of the law. All right, okay. Now, speaking of the law, I want to say that, you know, Sandy has mentioned this. It's a great point. Jesus gave us two laws. Love God Love your neighbor as yourself. Which is a summation of the Ten Commandments. First four tell you how to love God. Last six tells you how to love your fellow man. Then in addition to that, there's about 617 laws. All of which are instructions that help us to do just that. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Further instructions. And so, when you hear what I call the smoke screen. Well, the law, you know, that, that's for the Jews. That's for Israel. That's for Gentiles. That's, for, that's not for us. That's for somebody else. It's just a smokescreen. It's just a rabbit trail that people try to get you chasing down. And then, into that rabbit trail, there is nothing there. It comes to a dead end. You're wasting your time arguing with these people. But if you, you look at this simplicity, all of God's law, you know, two laws love God. Love your neighbor. Summation of the Ten Commandments. Verse 4 tell you how to love God. Last 6 tells you how to love your fellow man. 617 laws that help us to understand better instructions on how to do just that. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself, or, or love both. That's a very simplistic approach toward the law of God. God never gave a bad law. Never. He never gave a bad law. And you know, here's the thing. In order to see God, you have to learn how to Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't figure that out, you're not going to meet God. Very simple instruction. Ezekiel 7 and verse 26. Ezekiel 7 and verse 26. Mischief shall come upon mischief, and rumors shall be upon rumors. Then shall they seek a vision of the prophets, but the law shall perish from the priests, and counsel from the ancients. Notice that the law shall perish. From the priest. we're sort of there now. I think we're sort of and and rumor. What replaces that is rumors upon rumors. Rumors about Jesus replaces this. You create a famine of the word of God by what preachers don't say. What they're not saying. That's how you create a famine of the word. You know, if you look at that phrase, speak to speak to the children of Israel, speak to the congregation that they move forward. Speak, 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 speak my word. Speak the word of God. Speak the law of God, whatever. Again and again, speak. You know, it's almost as if religion has ceased to be relevant, not because of what's being preached, but because of what not is being preached, what's not being preached. Recently, I was driving down the road, and the guy, big church, you could tell the congregation was just loving, eating up every minute of it. Big con- starts talking about, and I don't know what this has to he talks, talks about, starts talking about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> How do you work, Scooby-Doo? And, and then he said, do you want to hear me talk like Donald Duck? And started talking like Donald Duck. And I just cut it off. I said, religion has ceased to be relevant. It's not relevant anymore. One of the things I'm seeing with, is that really in the Bible, some of the outreach that I do, is that religious people are starving. They're starving. They don't know it, though. It's like going to church and anorexic, an emaciated, skinny, bone showing. They come out of church with a big smile on their face, and yet their bodies, they're starving for truth. They're starving for truth. There's a scripture... Talking about the pegs here that we connect truth to. Curse it be the man that removes his neighbor's landmarks. And all the people said, Amen. The landmarks have been lost, removed, forgotten. The pegs, removed, forgotten. One more verse, Hebrews 8 and verse 11. I want you to imagine this society. Hebrews 8 and verse 11, And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Can you imagine a society where, you know, you, you could say, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm keeping a feast of unleavened bread. And they say, Yeah, that's right. That Man, that represents putting, putting Christ in and putting sin out. And what a, you know, Worthy thing to try to do in order to please God. Can you imagine a society that understood it, that could grasp it, where all the pegs were connected there? Not the rumor things that people connect up the worship of God with, but truth. You know, I mean, I get frustrated sometimes because I, I think, how do I answer this person? You know, the Christian religion is the only religion where you've got to have a mascot to worship God be it an Easter bunny or a Santa Claus or whatever. You've got to have a mascot. It's it's the only religion I know that's like that. But here, the leavening must be gotten out of Christianity. Okay? The leavening must be gotten out and removed from mainstream churchianity. Just like cleaning up your home, you know, you, you look at something, you say, this doesn't belong here. Get it out. This doesn't belong here. That doesn't belong here. You get it out. You get it out. There are a lot of things that doesn't belong in mainstream Christianity. Get it out. Clean it up. Get it out of here. Get the rumor out. Get get whatever to, it doesn't fit here. The no law theology doesn't fit. The rumors doesn't. The pablum that you hear sometimes doesn't fit. Let's get it out. And I th- I th- sometimes think that we miss the point of unleavened bread. You know, we get all busy cleaning up our homes, and, and that's a good thing. Get the, get the leavening out. That's a good thing. But we may go on the crumb hunt. <laughs> you know, I found a crumb. I'm freaking out because I found a crumb in my house. You know, and we miss the point. No, the leavening that God wants to clean up is the leavening of mainstream Christianity. That's, that's the leavening he wants to clean out. And it's a lot in there. And thank God for the organized works of the churches of God. Thank God for the independent works of the churches of God. Thank God for the individuals. We, you know, what I'm saying is we all have our work cut out for us. And, and like I said with that example of the Sabbath day, where if you tell someone you keep the Sabbath, they are able to make that connection with, oh, you must be a seven-day Adventist. Well, we need to get to a point to where we, when, if we say I'm keeping the holy days, people immediately say, oh, Church of God. I recognize that. And for that reason, I'm saying we've got a a lot of work ahead of us. I know a long time ago, the church, there was this crazy statement that the work had been done. Nonsense. Nonsense. With each generation, you know, when generations die off, a lot of information dies off. And it's up for the church, each generation, to perpetuate and to educate and to do the evangelism of the church of God. Each 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 new generation that comes along. We have a lot to do and a short time to do it.